Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. Both for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, joining us for online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could tune in as well. I'm excited to welcome back best-selling author Lee Goldberg to our broadcast today. This month, he's celebrating a great new book called Malibu Burning. At the time we're having this conversation, it is Read a Book Day, so it's a perfect opportunity for you guys to go over and one-click it. The book is already a number one new release on Amazon. We're going to talk to Lee not only about this new book, but also what it's been like for him to write these stories that he enjoys and readers around the world do as well, and also what he hopes you're able to take away from the new book and characters as well. Lee, thank you again for the time. Really do appreciate it. It's great to be back. Lee, once again, you've given us a great book in Malibu Burning. We're going to get into that a bit and kind of tease our listeners with that, but I want to talk about this experience for you. What has it been like for you to consistently to have these ideas for stories that not only you enjoy, as I mentioned, but also you find readers enjoy too. Well, it's gratifying. I like that when I sit here and pretend other people are interested in imagining as well. My daughter once told me when she was a child, she said, you have the greatest job in the world. You get to just sit there in your pajamas and make things up, and people will pay you for it. I just don't understand. <laughs> Frankly, I don't understand either, but I'm, I'm thrilled and gratified and, and humbled and flattered by it. How, how much are you kind of um, intrigued by the what-if scenario, Lee? And I ask that question because in this book, you know, I think there's a couple what-ifs. I'm going to talk around some of them a little bit later in the conversation, but how much does that kind of intrigue you when you're coming up with an idea for a book? Well, I need to excite myself. I need to challenge myself. I need to have a story that I'll find compelling enough to invest in for months and that readers will find compelling enough to invest in for a few days. And Mm -hmm. if I can't come up with a story that has that kind of conflict, that kind of mystery, that kind of of fascination, then, then I shouldn't be doing it at all. Wow. Well, I, I know that readers definitely appreciate the fact that you go into it with that attitude. I've noticed already the reviews coming in. I mean, there's thousands of them already for this book, and we're not even two weeks into this yet, who have already been pouring into what they thought about the book. This particular uh, book, and of course you're introducing some great characters with this one, is interesting on a couple of levels. One, you have people who are very passionate, both on the spectrums of what would be considered as the good guys and the bad guys, but also motives as well. Talk to us a kind of, a kind of bit about how Malibu Burning came about, Lee. Well, first of all, I don't think of them as good guys and bad guys. Early in my career, I worked with a famous writer-producer named Stephen J. Cannell, and he said, there are no such thing as bad guys. The villains or bad guys in your stories are people who see themselves as the good guys in their story. They they don't think they're doing anything bad. They think they're the heroes of their own narrative. And they have lives beyond whatever criminal act they're doing. They have people who love them. They have their own goals, their own aspirations, their own disappointments, their own inner life. So that's the way I try to approach the opposition to my protagonists. I don't look at them as bad guys or good guys, but characters that – there are things you'll like about them and things you'll, you'll loathe about them, but they need to be fully rounded human beings. The way this particular story came about is I've been doing police procedurals for quite some time, the Eve Ronan series of, of crime novels, and I really enjoyed them. 
But I also love a good big heist novel. I wrote five of them with Janet Ivanovich, and I, and I also have some standalone thrillers in the same vein, and I was missing that. So I wanted to come up with a story that would allow me to go back to that world of uh, where, where I have a big stage to work on, but also satisfy the readers who have come along with me on these police procedurals. So I came up with a story that married a, a procedural with a big, wild um, ride of a, of, a, of a heist novel. And I wanted to explore police procedurals in a different way, not to do the usual homicide cops. So I, I decided to follow the exploits of two arson investigators, which I think is a, an arena of law enforcement we haven't seen a lot of in the crime fiction space. And for the heist, I just want to do something big and different and, and unusual. And in, in this case, it's a, a heist committed during the biggest wildfire in Southern California history. And I should mention, this is not the Woolsey Fire. This is actually a fire that... Um, was at the end of my book, Lost Hills, several years ago that preceded the Wolsey fire. When I came up with this idea for a heist and a big fire, at first I thought, oh, crap, I can't do it. I'd be repeating myself. I've already done a big fire. And I thought, well, wait a minute. What if it's the same fire, but from an entirely different perspective that will make you look at the fire in Lost Hills in a whole new light? Um, so that's what I did. I, I made it the exact same fictional fire, which essentially came true uh, a short time later with the Wolsey fire, where I live, by the way, um, I had to evacuate my home while I was editing the galleys of Lost Hills because there were flames licking against my back fence. So it's it's been a it's wow. been a wild ride for me too. And it was a, a chance for me to um, do the kind of books that Elmore Leonard and, and Donald Westlake were writing when I was growing up. Gotcha. And and I appreciate what you said about the way you look at the characters, Lee. And and I think that says a lot to us as the readers as we're kind of um, being able to get to know them. Because I mentioned to you, even before we just had that conversation, I said to you that there was an interesting dialogue that you wrote in this book with supposedly the way that we as the readers would look at as the antagonist uh, with Danny and Logan. And I love the fact that you're able to humanize them. Is that also what makes it easier for you to write all the characters that you kind of create. Well, in a way, I was pulling the curtain back and showing how we make stories. I have the two arson investigators looking not only for the profit motive of the bad guys, but what the emotional stakes are. And that's a rule I have when I, when I write a story. I need to know what the emotional stakes are for every character. What, what is their heart investment in this? What, are, what will they it's – not, it's not just a question of money or power for, for quote-unquote, the bad guys. There's got to be an emotional thing that's driving them. The other thing I use to humanize my characters is humor. I don't believe a world where there's not humor. Even in my darkest, most tragic experiences in my own life, there's been some humorous aspect. So when I read a book that doesn't have a single humorous moment in it, that's all unremittingly dark and morose, I just don't buy it. I can't invest in it. And I think by having humor... By having, the, and I say this in quotations, bad guys having a sense of humor and finding humor in dire situations, I think that humanizes them and allows the reader to emotionally invest in these characters, even when they're doing something that's horrible and maybe even divides the loyalties of the reader. Should I root for the bad guy or should I root for the quote-unquote heroes, the cops? And I don't make the cops perfect either. I don't think there is right. such a thing as a perfect person. And that also bothers me in crime fiction, when the hero is so heroic and selfless and perfect and the villains are so unremittingly bad and venal. It's just not real. It's, it's comic book. It's, it's silly. It's one-dimensional. 
So I, I try to imbue all my characters, even ones you only see for a page, with a measure of humanity. Yeah. Well, I think there's the other side of it too, Lee, even in, in hearing you say this about this particular book and the way you think of these characters, even as we kind of look at those who are, you know, the heroes, right, of this story, you know, we're able to see how they have to understand as well um, why people do what they do, why it is that they make the decisions that they that they make and understanding it. I'm not going to get into that part of the story because I don't want to give anything away, Lee, but I do want to talk about the twists and turns of the story because um, the title of the book, you know, is, is intriguing for people. Of course, you know, we've been hearing a lot about, you know, wildfires lately. What has that been like for you? I know it's come up in conversation with your readers probably online, but also, of course, in having conversations like this. What has it been like for you to kind of think about how the connections are there um, uh, from something that's that we're really experiencing, and of course that you bring to your book. Well, I think it adds an element of terror and realism to what would seem like an over-the-top story idea. I mean, to see the complete annihilation of Lahaina or Paradise, California, due to wildfires, makes you realize just how epic and catastrophic they can be in, in this climate change world we're living in, and it makes the stakes all that that more real and terrifying in in my novel, and it makes my my uh, bad guy, again, I hate using that term, but makes my, what my bad guy is doing so scary because I, I don't want to give everything away, but you could say that what he's doing, he's doing for noble reasons, or you can even like the guy. He's charming and suave and funny and clever, and you can be rooting for him. But at the end of the day, creating the largest wildfire in California history to pull off a massive heist is jeopardizing the lives of thousands of people. Also, yeah ruining their homes and, and their businesses and putting firefighters at stake, it is a horrible thing he's doing. You know, he's trying to mitigate that risk in the way he's created this heist. But still, it's a giant risk he's taking. But also makes the stakes all the more higher, all the higher for my two law enforcement protagonists. There are some investigators looking at what appears to be a wildfire who begin to realize that there's much more going on here than meets the eye. It's not just a wildfire. It could yeah. be something else. It could be a distraction for a, another crime. And getting mm -hmm. people to believe that in the midst of a crisis is very difficult. So in a sense, that leaves these two arson investigators entirely on their own to deal with this while all the resources of California firefighting and law enforcement are, are aimed at controlling this fire and evacuating the people in its path. Exactly. I want to talk about social media for a moment, Lee, but I want to first say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back best-selling author Lee Goldberg to our broadcast. He's celebrating his new book, Malibu Burning, already an Amazon bestseller. So make sure you guys do make plans to get your copy. We've got to remind you how you can do that. I want to talk about your fans for a second and how you've been able to connect with them. I've been seeing the great photos you've been posting on social, especially on Facebook lately. What has it been like for you to be back out there mixing it up with your fans, but also having these conversations online and offline, Lee? Well, it's gratifying. It's nice to have feedback from your readers, to know that what you're doing entertains them, distracts them, uh, takes them away from their troubles and the stress in their lives. And after being locked up for uh, several years with COVID, uh, it's nice to be back out in the world and interacting with people again. But it's also scary. I, I developed some lung issues as a result of my own uh, COVID experience. So I'll be honest with you, going to VoucherCon, which was held this past weekend, and 1,600 people attended, I was terrified of getting COVID again. I had a mask on most mm -hmm. of the time. And it turns out my terror was well-placed because since 
SatraCon ended this weekend, I've counted 20 people who've mentioned on Twitter that they have COVID. I think if there are 20 people on Twitter who I know who are saying they have COVID, there's got to be at least three times that many who actually got infected at, at BoucherCon. So it could, not, could turn out to be a, a, uh, a scary event that we all attended. But yet at the same time, uh, before we had that specter hanging over us, it was so nice to reconnect with, with readers and publishers and fellow authors and booksellers. It's, it had been way too long. Right, right. Yeah, I saw you um, writing about that actually on Twitter recently, and someone was talking about their own experience. And, and you're right. I mean, I think it is, and, and here in the south where I am, Lee, our cases are starting to go back up now, too, and even people I know have been, uh, a couple have even been hospitalized this time. So, yeah, there's definitely that. But you're right. It is great to be able to have that connection again. I know a lot of people have been missing that, and it's great to be able to have that. Did you go into a book like, like this? Because, you, I mean, the, the promotion for this book has been amazing. Did you go into it knowing that social media, though, would be a big part of that, Lee? Social media is a big part of all book promotion now. It is so hard to get your book noticed, to, to, to rise above the tsunami of, of titles. I mean, the world of publishing has changed. Now anybody can be published with a flick of the mouse and be on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Kobo. So just being discovered is really hard these days. So you've got to be on social media just to get the word out. And it's not like I'm out there self-promoting all the time. And I, I mean, granted, when I have a new novel out, I am promoting it quite a bit. But during the many, many months where I don't have a new novel out, I'm just being me. And I'm just connecting right. with people. And it allows – it creates the illusion that you and the author are friends. You feel like you know the author and you're buying the book written by somebody who's a friend of yours. That's one of the nice things that social media creates this intimacy. Now, granted, it's a, it's a false intimacy. There are people who come up to me at, at these conferences and stuff who assume a, a closeness with me and my family that just isn't there, that, I, that can be a little bit off-putting. Um, yeah. But that's one of the prices you pay for putting yourself out there and disclosing on, on social media. I've, I've had pictures of my family and our vacations and what we're doing, and, and there's, there's a certain amount of danger to that, too. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, but there's I all the gratification really... as well. I mean, I I, right. I, I like that that readers feel they know me and that they 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 care about me and that um, they feel an emotional connection to my books even before they read them. That's that's really nice. It's special, and I and I know that I'm very lucky to have that, and that I should cherish it and not abuse it. You know, I, I love the fact that the idea of the – I mean, the, of course, there is a literal fire that we are talking about when it comes to Malibu burning. But also, um, you even in the book have the, the metaphoric burning as well. Uh, and I think that's something a lot of people, when I read that, I thought, you know what, a lot of people can relate to that, where there comes to an idea, where there comes to an emotion like anger, uh, how it can fester and grow and spread. Um, what was that like for you to play with? I mean, one thing to have the literal dis destruction that was taking place, but also the metaphoric destruction as well that could be there. What's interesting, you talk about the metaphoric destruction or, or other interviews are talking about the themes that run through Malibu Burning. I'm not consciously aware of them when I'm writing my books. I, I see them once they're pointed out to me. And I, but what I think happens is, sort of like what I do with research, I do an enormous amount of research but I only reference a little of it in the books. I, I have that research in my mind to imbue my characters with knowledge and what they say with knowledge so that what I've researched will come out in ways I can't envision. And I think once I've invested in a story and in the challenges facing those characters, I'm unconsciously reiterating a theme 
or a metaphor without being consciously aware of it. I, I mean, I'll notice it later when I, I listen to a book, my books on audio or um, even earlier when I'm, I'm proofing the galley, I'll see a through line there. I wasn't even aware that I was weaving in. It's, uh, it, it's, it's the writer at work and on an unconscious level, but I think if you have the story well thought out and the characters well thought out, it gives you an opportunity to, to have those sort of discoveries happen. So in a way, I'm like the reader, discovering it at the same time they are, even though I'm the guy who wrote the book. Well, love that. Well, it definitely is a great book, Lee. So glad we had a chance to discuss it. Lee and I are going to have our first face-to-face conversation uh, on Amazon Live coming up as well. So make sure you guys do check out our website to be able to get the information to join us for that. I'm looking forward to that, Lee. Again, of course, being be able so to join you. It's so weird talking to you actually with clean clothes and having taken a shower. <laughs> I'm even brushing my teeth for this. See, there you go. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we do want you guys to go ahead and go to Amazon, get your copy of Malibu Burning or your favorite local bookstore as well. It is, as I mentioned, already an Amazon bestseller. No surprise there. But you guys can go ahead and pick up the hardcover or, of course, the Kindle edition. Go ahead and one click it. Start reading it today. Lee, it's always great catching up with you. How can our audience stay connected with you? I'm easy to find. I'm at LeeGoldberg.com. I'm also Lee Goldberg on Twitter, Facebook, Blue Sky, Threads. You can't escape me, Instagram. I'm standing outside your door right now, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Well, there you go. So make sure you guys are staying connected with Lee. So you can also, of course, be able to keep up with what he has going on. And Lee, definitely looking forward to our next chat together. Me too. All right, and we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. For those tuning in via the podcast, the link um, is on Amazon. Of course, for Amazon, it's in the notes for the podcast, so you guys can be able to find it there. All you have to do is be able to click on it to be able to go ahead and get your copy of Malibu Burning today. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all so much for being with us here on Conversations Live. You all make it a great one. We'll talk to you soon.